Welcome to the ATG podcast. Just started my 20-minute timer. Keegan and I have three things we want to discuss. Ben Patrick, knees over toes guy. Keegan Smith at the ATG Mentor on Instagram. The ATG Mentor on YouTube. He has some incredible in-depth videos on, on both channels. Keegan's been my mentor. He was the first guy I ever saw doing knees over toes training. And that changed my life from that point. So let's start out of the three things we're going to try to cover today. What is the number one deviation from nature that's resulting in lower back pain? The biggest thing that we were talking about is the hip flexor is being so tight. You know, the further we deviate from what we've evolved to do, the more risk we have. And from a very early age, babies are sitting for a long time and then we go to school and we sit for a long time. We drive for like, it's the default position is to be in this crunched up position. So then when we do go and stand up, the muscles aren't in the balance that they are meant to be in. And that's causing a, a massive deviation from the historical norm. Uh, so I think that's the, the best place uh, to start is to work on restoring the natural balances. And then maybe we need to come up with other things after that, but that, that should be our, our default logic, I think, for solving almost any problem. Yeah, exactly. We'd start with the most obvious, you know, the we're going on the principle that the body was designed to work well. So if it's not working well, let's start with the number one deviation. So we know the hip flexors are really shortened. Now, when we're young, we're sprinting and stuff. So I think if we took a ratio of how much people sit versus how little they sprint, you'd be setting yourself up for failure. Now with athletes in, in team sports, to the degree that you kick, throw, swing, jump more with one side than the other, it's almost like you're keeping one side more open and letting the other side stiffen up. So we have not only the sitting, but even if you are sprinting, if you're playing a team sport, you're probably now getting out of whack between sides. So a back injury is very often because of an imbalance between sides. So you go to do something, and I see it in basketball a lot, where someone now has to do a move or jump or crossover or, or something where they're now going off their non-dominant side, and now that side is stiff and weak. So right off the bat, if we look at, at the zero program, all that time in those astrograph split squats, when you do a regular split squat or lunge, your back leg is very vertical. So that would mean there's a tiny little bit of stretch. But if we look at an ATG split squat, we're actually talking about a maximum hip flexor stretch, but the back knee's not touching the ground. So we're loading that position. So maybe you can give us a little history on this, on this split squat exercise. I know I had never walked into a gym and seen someone doing it. Um, people like you and from Charles Poliquin and going back to the sixties and seventies Olympic weightlifting, it kind of came from there, but now with ATG, we've made this into something that regresses that, that the idea is that's like, that this is like a fundamental movement that actually would lead to better results with squats and things like that, as opposed to using this as an accessory to those. So maybe, maybe you have some insight yeah. when you first heard about it and how it stacks up. Yeah. I think a lot of people, you know, refer to it as the lunge and just kind of dismiss it as something for the glutes and don't put the knee over the toe. And then the poliquin variation using the cable and using it as a real progression, like it was a prerequisite in the poliquin system to be able to earn the right to do full squats. And I think that was a really good you know, way to develop. People but I don't think that got punched in, you know, like he yeah. had 
this brilliant idea, but it didn't get like punched in, you know, and that, and that shit is so that split squat saved my knees because they were so imbalanced between sides. Um, but at the same time, at the same time, we're lengthening those hip flexors, which I never even, you know, thought about until time passed. And I just see such a correlation. Anyways, continue. Yeah. There are very few people who took it beyond, you know, that kind of remedial work and just using it as like, okay, my knees are relatively healthy. I can full squat or I get close enough to full depth. So I don't need to worry about the split squat. Like that was basically how I understood it. And the way it was kind of taught to me, I would say, or my perception of how it was taught to me. And so it was really then, um, it, it didn't give us that benefit because you didn't have it as an ongoing thing to maintain. And because we sit so much and squat so much and, you know, have that in our programs, it's, it needs to be in there as a baseline, you know, all the time. So it should be in the program year round. It doesn't have to be heavy. I don't think, you know, you're not saying everybody needs to be split squatting body weight year round. It's more so using it in the ATG way to make sure we're progressively working on that uh, depth and the quality of the position. And, you know, you, we're using it in all sorts of ways now with you using the reverse slant as well. So it can be, you know, more for the, um, the patella tendon on the front leg. There are a number of ways you can use it. That's why as a coach, you know, you want to, you want to understand the, the value of each way. And, and athletes in your system as well, they understand well, this one's for this and this one's for that. And, and then, you know, you can adapt it to what your needs are. Are the hip flexors tired at the moment? Or is it really that there's an imbalance in the strength between the left leg and the right leg? Can you see muscle imbalances there? In which case you would focus more on load and volume um, as opposed to just using it for the gains in the position. Yeah. And you made me realize an interesting point, which is when you're trying to lengthen an area, like we're not just trying to give it a stretch one time to alleviate existing back pain, even though a lot of people will do it one time and it will alleviate existing back pain. What we're trying to get to is a fundamental lengthening of those hip flexors that cold, tight, warm, this in uh, that just your natural hip flexor length 24 seven is much better than it was before. And that doesn't occur from doing it like here and then not doing it for three months. And then do it like if you want to have an area lengthened, it has to be given that time to develop just like any other, you know, just like any other quality you want to be really good at. So the, that ATG split squat alone, I feel like sets a foundation. Now, also, it would be very natural in life to bend down and pick things up. So if we've already established that we've lengthened our hip flexors, that means we can actually extend those spinal muscles and glutes and hamstrings and, and use them a lot better when we are picking things up. But so many of us have even gotten tight through that chain that we can't even really bend over to pick stuff up. So we use that elephant walk where the hands are supported. So it's it's a low amount of loading, essentially for, you know, roughly about 60 second isometric set. So you're, we're developing some of the mu those muscles opening up. So if we, if we compared the ATG split squat and the elephant walk, you essentially have like two opposing movements. They're almost like the exact opposite. Now that would be zero. Now from there, we can make our split squat challenging. That just stays in the system. But when it comes to that position, if we go to advanced zero, the simplest way is going to be actually just throwing in a back extension machine. They're, all, they're in almost every gym. They require the lowest learning curve because of the angle you are loaded at the bottom and you're loaded at the top. Now we would say that the goal would be 25 reps on two legs. Then don't add weight. Now switch to single leg. 
just by getting to 25 reps in a row, no swinging, pausing, holding the bottom position, extending until your glute is locked. And to me, that's the form is keep your back strong, go as deep as you can with a strong back, come up and squeeze your glute fully. I'm, I don't care what else happens within that. Someone can curl at the bottom. Someone can stand at the top. I don't care if there's no momentum and they're squeezing the glute at the top and they're not shorting it at the bottom, they're going to get insane results. But the odds, uh, you know, from coaching people, the imbalances between sides are so significant and particularly in relation to how much we've done team sports. So that's why I would say to build back up to where you can do 25 consecutive perfect form and control, which is much tougher than it sounds single leg. Yep. That would be advanced zero. Then in loaded zero, now we could go to now we can go to four sets of ten and actually like start adding weight, dumbbell or bar on back. So, um, you know, we wanted to get that right out of the way because it's such a massive topic with the low back pain, and I feel like people are are missing that the number one deviation is just how shortened those hip flexors are getting. Once we unlock those hip flexors. Now we can start actually rebalancing sides on our ability, you know, to extend our back. So got that out of the way. It's simple. Now we were just talking about zero advanced zero loaded zero. So we wanted to cover loaded zero. This is essentially what you and I were doing in person almost two years ago that I think you and I both made the best for a couple month period, like the best gains of our life. So we are talking about an off season program because the zero flow is quite a few steps. Now, if you want to add load and equipment to that, it's not going to take 20 or 30 minutes. It's going to take 40 to 60 minutes. I did a session yesterday and I tend to rest very little and it took me about 40 minutes. Um, describe that, describe the gains, kind of explain what the hell loaded zero is. Yeah. So the basic principle is, you know, starting from the ground up and, and working your way into feeling super smooth within the, within the session, you know, like, it's easy as you get older and you've been in the gym for longer, if you've had a bunch of accidents and you've trained poorly in the past, which I definitely can put my hand up and say I have, when you go through that sequence, then you just feel really good when you get to the stuff like the hack squats. Like there's no way, like most people can't get into those positions, right? But if you've done all that work, by the time you get to those positions that are more challenging, everything's nice and warm and you're gonna find that, you know, you can use more weight than you would have otherwise uh, used and the flow is just is just really smooth to to maximize um, gains. And you're not using a ton of weight, but you are going to get a lot of work done within the session because you know it's, it's sequential like that. So, yeah. I, I yeah. What, what did you feel yesterday? I mean, it's freaking beautiful. You're going from from tibialis to straight leg calf to bent knee calf to now reverse step up to now ATG split squat to now putting it together and actually doing a squat. Like it, it just makes so much sense. And again, it's where it's nothing against existing systems. My luckiest thing is that I was the most broken, fragile guy that I knew, you know, that's why I had to, that's why I did so many ATG split squats. Cause I couldn't even squat and stuff like that. And that led to now wonders for the lower back. It, it was so with this flow, it's like, um, you know, that's why I've done the zero program more than anything else. Cause I just love that flow. And it was just you and I talking and this and that, that it's like, well, I, I want to now add in the tibialis bar. You know, I want to add the slant board to my straight leg, straight leg calf raises with the slant board. I love those. I mean, you're literally going to a full gastroc stretch and then strengthening out of that position, you know, um, adding, adding weights to the reverse step-ups, adding weights to the split squats. That's the stuff that changed my jumping. So 
this is something that you and I on and off, you know, for a while now have kind of flirted with. And we just have to accept that, yeah, to do all this and then still finish down with lengthening the quads and, and, and Nordic type stuff. Yeah. It's going to take 40 to 60 minutes. And usually I like to train 20 to 30 minutes because the ATG system was really born when I was in college playing the most minutes on my team, being the slowest guy in the court while trying to fix my knee pain and get more athletic at the same time. And then actually succeeding in doing that. And it was built on three 20 to 30 minute leg sessions a week. And optionally I would go in and do like external rotators or whatever on Tuesday, Thursday. So th this concept saved me as a basketball player, but we still have the off season, you know, and because the sessions flow in that way, even though it's 40 to 60 minutes, like in rugby, how many games do you play per week? Is it one game a week? One game a week. Yeah. To put a rugby team through loaded zero. See, this would be like perfect for rugby where you really like strength is a premium, but now we're just talking about two lower body sessions from the ground up and then two upper body sessions, which actually go from the hips to then spine and shoulders and elbows. So, and even finishing with optional, the program finishes with optional wrist or neck work. So it's the, so it's kind of the, like we, in, in two sessions, we go from the ankle all the way up to the wrist and the neck. And then we have just two different versions of each session. So maybe with the rugby, maybe you would go like, maybe you would, maybe you just do two of those big sessions a week rather than two of each, you know? So maybe you do one of the lower and one of the upper, and you could do that in season and still take a few days off before game day. I mean, how, how would you, how would you do it? Yeah. Players love that kind of work. Um, I don't think any teams are really training like that, you know, so it would be quite a big shift, but players, you know, the, there's a healing component to it because the higher reps and the blood flow, um, I think the players would, re, you know, recover really well from it and, and enjoy that. Um, and it would fill in a lot of gaps that are kind of um, there from, yeah, it's, it's that restorative component to it that you just feel different after ATG sessions. And you know, I hear that back from a lot of athletes, like, I don't feel like I'm working as hard, like I'm not as drained as I usually would be. I know I've worked hard, but I'm not as drained. And then the recovery is just much faster because of the, I think it's just because it's in the natural balance with the body and um, you're not having to use as much weight on the bar and actual loading and those sorts of things. It's more using the, the leverages and the, the length component. I think also you restore those natural balances. You open things up, you get blood flow back to areas that have kind of got little niggles within them. So I think it would work you know, very well uh, for, for that population. And, I did something along these lines, you know, uh, the first session after a game, like I would train the hardest leg session would be the day after the game or two days after the game to give the longest break until the next really you yep. know, key performance. So I'd work the legs hard then, the hamstrings hard. Yes, there'd be a little bit fatigued from the game, but then we go in best to the next game. So that was... That and with the hard. ground up flow, guys will be setting PRs, you know, within a couple of days of the jumped, game. We would have been faster and jumped, jumped a lot higher, you know. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm ever going to have that chance again, but there's, uh, there are a lot of other coaches who are, you know, taking this. Well, we've got, we've got video of you jumping pretty high this past week. So that, that was the <laughs> no. third thing we wanted to cover was the subject of, of jumping. And uh, I always forget, how old are you? 38. 38. I mean, it's a pretty good indicator. Number one, if your body, if you're wanting to jump, and number two, if you're jumping probably the highest of your life at 38, you know, so. Yeah, I've never done that before. <laughs> yeah. So um, do you, how often are you going to jump? I'm going to be jumping once every three, just based on scheduling. I like, 
I've worked it out with my wife and, you know, she runs, she's basically the boss. And, and, uh, so every third week I'm going to go do a dunk session and I'll definitely document exact warm up processes and stuff. And we were going to kind of, we have four minutes left. We we're going to kind of break down just kind of the best advice on that. What, what's your plan with it? It's just sporadic random, or are you going to do it? You know, I I'm definitely more impulsive than you, Ben. Yeah. And I, and I yeah. don't think you know, most people listening in would, would have put themselves in my basket, you know, like you're, you're pretty, uh, organized regimented guy. And that's testimony to the success that you've had. But I think every, you know, I think once a month is probably really good for me. Like I don't really mind that much. I just want to be able to chase my kids. I ran with a pony. We went for a pony ride and I ran with the pony, like spontaneously, you know, sprinting along with, with this uh, pony with my kids. And there was a time, a lot of times over the recent 10 years where I would have like wanted to warm up or hand the pony to grandma to run with the kids or, you know, like I wouldn't have wanted to do that. So I just want that quality of life stuff. It's, it's a good ego boost. It's a good bit of fun. I'd love to have a two hand, you know, standing two hand um, jump and hang. I didn't quite get the hang off just the, the VMO uh, jump, but I, I love that VMO jump that you do from the, you know, the deep position. So I'd love to get a hang off that one you know, maybe one day a dunk, but like, it's, it's just for fun for me really. And I know my strength on that hack squat is still not, you know, anywhere near where it needs to be, but it's improved a lot. Just focusing on it the last couple of months. Like it really feels really good now. So I think that's the biggest tip that I would give to someone who wants to, you know, improve those, those jumps or well, that, that would be the thing that's changed the most for me because I wouldn't back squat as much as I've squatted at other times, but my knees don't feel like I'm 80 years old um, and I'm getting some pretty good, speed out of the bottom on those hack squats and VMO squats. Yep. And your sport is being a, a bulletproof dad, you know, and like with that foundation that you're doing, even if you were pursuing your, even if you were pursuing uh, cleans or squats or deadlifts or whatever, it's still the same thing. You could still be pursuing those better. And that's why we've, we've talked about a number of podcasts that, tons of power lifters now are plateau busting their power lifts and it's and for me it's similar to yours except i have this very specific goal of being able to dunk when my kid can dunk and he's 11 months old so he's not going to have the genetics to dunk so first off you know the training's going to have to be so good that it can develop a kid's body he will be able to dunk i i think he'll be dunking if i think about like i was kind of a late bloomer so i i, I was like at 14 years old i was like five four. And then I was like five, nine at 15 years old. And then like, finally, like about my present height at 16. So I mean, maybe that's kind of normal for a lot of people. Um, so I would guess he'll be able to dunk when he's 16. And, uh, so that means I'll be, you know, 46 having to be able to dunk, but like, that's my, my dream is going to the court, playing one-on-one -on -one with him. Like I, like I've always done. I, I believe in like, these five second one-on-one -on -one battles where you, you get the ball and you have to work a certain move and the defender knows what move you're doing. So you say, okay, I'm doing a jab series. So they know you're doing a jab series. You get five seconds and you have to, you know, I would love to be able to go work on basketball skill with him. And then after do a dunk session at 46, like that's what I'm training for. So I think every few weeks is enough to just stay in tune, you know, with that process and, and there also is a little part of me that wants to see how much higher I can jump. So I'm using, I'm using loaded zero now because I want to jump even higher. So I can't wait. And I'm just going to go and I'm just going to try to jump as high as I possibly can. I'm not worrying about trick dunks. I am worrying about jump balance. Like I want to get all four plants where I feel like in a game, right leg, left, any plant, like I can just like get my head near the rim. So that's, 
that's my intention every three weeks when I go out. Uh, anyways, that'll, that'll be fun. I'll definitely grab, you know, the footage of it. Keep grabbing the footage, you know, on the times you mess around. I want to also see when you do the, the, the squat jump. I'll definitely make sure I finish out my sessions with the squat jump. It'll either be next week or the week after, and then it'll be every three weeks. So that's my that, favorite dog. I haven't seen, I haven't seen people do that. Yeah, <laughs> There's definitely, I haven't seen someone doing all four plants and squat dunks, you know, just in terms of, of balanced, you know, athleticism, but I want to take them like, I don't just want the balance. Now I want the juice. You know what I mean? And, and zero got, you know, gets the balance zero loaded. I feel like it's, I feel like that's how, if a gun is to my head, how do I keep getting in that bulletproofing direction, but add in even more juice to get really towards like, you know, world-class type explosion. So that's what I'm doing. We'll, we'll check in next week. We're over 20 minutes, but uh, we did a good job here. Any, any last words? The fun is in the journey. You know, it's, it's, it's cool when you get those special days, but like the, the, the thing of just being excited about every day, I think that's something that everybody needs at the moment. It's just, know that there's good things to look forward to and keep, you know, keep being inspired by those things. And, and that's, uh, that's, that's the key to uh, keeping the, keeping the momentum. Exactly. Life is rough. There's so much bad news. Training should at least be something that's fun and that we look forward to and that we enjoy and that feels good with our bodies. So, all right. Thank you, brother. Thank let's you so uh, much. have an awesome weekend. Let's, let's crush it this week. Let's do it.